Hello friends and welcome back to the Homecoming Podcast. The Homecoming Podcast shares conversations, practices, and inspiration for returning home to your true self. I'm Sarah Elaine Nelson, a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher working mostly online using the traditional practices of yoga along with modern technology to help you create more ease and joy in your life. Today, I'm excited to welcome Shana Small onto the program to share a bit of yoga philosophy with us. Specifically, we'll be chatting about one category of the causes of suffering according to the Yoga Sutras. Spoiler alert, the causes all come from inside our own minds. Stick around until the end to get Shana's ideas on how to use this information to lessen your own suffering. Shana Small is a yoga educator who speaks to the intersectionality of yoga and social justice. She has practiced practiced Ashtanga Yoga and studied the Yoga Sutras since 2001. Shana finds joy in making yoga accessible for all. She teaches diversity and inclusivity, yoga sutras, as well as accessibility trainings and workshops. She is a founding member of Yoga for Recovery Foundation, a nonprofit that helps those recovering from addiction, trauma, and systemic oppression. On that note, I want to share that Shana has an online fundraiser coming right up for the Yoga for Recovery Foundation. It's November 11th, 2023. It's on Zoom, and it looks like a really great event. It's called Practices for Community Connection, and it'll include meditation, mantra, games, and conversation. Shana is co-hosting the event with Victoria Martinez, and the event is by donation. I just signed up, and I hope to see some of you there. As always, the Homecoming Podcast is for information and inspiration and does not replace medical care or advice. Hi, Shana. Welcome to the Homecoming Podcast. It's great. It's so great to have you today. Thank you for having me. So when I started yoga back in the 1990s, I practiced because I loved the way it made me feel. I loved how it made my body feel like more limber and stronger. And I would leave class feeling less anxious and worried than when I arrived. Just the moving and breathing had a really profound effect on me. And eventually I learned that yoga had a whole philosophy and psychology behind it that is thousands of years old. And my guess is that the podcast listeners have an idea that there's more to yoga than what they see in a typical yoga class, but may not realize the depth and breadth to it. We won't get into all of that today, but I'm hoping you'll give us just a little bit of a taste of the life wisdom that yoga has to offer. And for me, One of the most profound yet simple teachings comes from the Yoga Sutras, and it's the breakdown of what causes suffering. And so before we get to that, I just wanted you to, I wanted to invite you to tell us a little bit about your history with yoga philosophy, and especially with studying the Yoga Sutras. 
So I have been practicing and studying yoga for over two decades. And my original lineage was the Ashtanga lineage from the Joyce family out of Mysore, India. So I've been practicing and studying uh, the Yoga Sutra since then. When you go to Mysore, you attend Yoga Sutra classes with Lakshmiji, but also it's very much weaved into the practice of Ashtanga Yoga. And all my teachers, most of my teachers throughout my time practicing within that lineage spoke all the time about the Yoga Sutras. And so it was a part of my normal study and it still is the foundation for my life. I have gotten into the Gita and <laughs> I must say that I do love it. But, you know, the Yoga Sutras is where my foundation is and it's my, my first love. And I fully believe in incorporating it into my, my life and I teach it to my students. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so just a follow up, just for listeners who don't know, Mysore is in India, correct? Mm -hmm. And um, that's so great that you studied there. And I'm curious, did you start yoga like in the U.S. and then end up over there? Or did you did you just head straight there? Oh, no. I started practicing yoga in the United States. I started practicing Ashtanga yoga in Atlanta, Georgia. Adele Gale was my teacher at the time, my first Ashtanga teacher. She no longer lives there or has that studio uh, but that's who I started with. And then I practiced with Todd Roderick, who actually is still in um, Atlanta, mm -hmm. uh, teaching Ashtanga. And from there, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina. And we kind of have a, a community here that kind of weaves in and out of each other, comes and goes. And so while I was in Charlotte, that's when I went to India to really get an experience firsthand of the lineage holders and the way that it is taught there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, my journey started in Atlanta, took me to Charlotte and I'm in Charlotte now. Yeah. Thanks. And I'll just mm -hmm. say for folks listening, Ashtanga is a certain, would you say style of yoga lineage? We certainly would say. Yeah. So Ashtanga yoga is, Ashtanga yoga, the term and the philosophy is way older than Patabi Joyce's style of Ashtanga yoga. And but when Patabi Joyce first started teaching Ashtanga yoga, he was adamant that uh, what was being taught was also a part of Ashtanga yoga and so or based on Ashtanga yoga. And so it became known as Ashtanga yoga. But I make the delineation because Ashtanga yoga in its more traditional form does not include a whole bunch of asanas. It's basically the only asana you need is a steady, comfortable seat. And then you use all this yoga psychology and yoga philosophy, which we will talk a little bit about today. That's traditional Ashtanga yoga. Ashtanga yoga, according to the Joyce family, is a little under 100 years old, uh, and it is a uh, extraordinarily physical practice, that physically demanding practice, that then has the philosophy weaved into it. So yeah, I do make that distinction between Patanjali's Ashtanga yoga and Patabi Joyce's Ashtanga yoga. 
Right. And that makes so much sense. And I've never heard it. I've never heard it um, separated in that way. So thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing that. <clears throat> so a lot of the clients that I work with and the students um, are suffering in some way. I feel like that <laughs> kind of goes for all of us. There's a lot of a lot of suffering to go around. And I love that, that yoga has this whole framework of um, laying out what causes suffering. And I find that for me, sometimes just knowing like these are the things that cause suffering helps me to be more aware of it in my own life and kind of catch myself when I'm doing it. And so um, I, I thought it would be great to have you on to talk about what in Sanskrit is the kleshas, the causes of suffering in yoga. So um, keeping in mind, you know, I, I don't think the, the listeners have a ton of um, experience in yoga philosophy, so we can just keep it pretty simple. For sure. And we can go in any order that you want. Okay, so do you want me to just jump in and start talking about the glaciers? I would love you to jump in and start talking about them. <laughs> okay, so the glaciers are a particular category of obstacles that are found in book two. But from my understanding and the way that I was taught, there are many categories of obstacles and many discussions about what causes suffering that are included throughout the entire yoga sutras, there's, you know, a list of nine obstacles that happen, I think, in book one. Also in book one, there's conversation on these vrittis or these, you know, way that we think that cause suffering. Like suffering is talked about all throughout the yoga sutras. What I love so much about the yoga sutras is that Patanjali breaks down information in different ways and to be exact, he's codifying and taking information that was already available in this tradition um, out of India. And he's taking this and he's breaking them down into little statements and putting them together in this book. So there are many discussions on suffering throughout the book. The Clashes is just one category. And to be honest, all of the suffering, you could weave it all together and it all leads back. It's just a different way of talking about it each time, which can make it be more accessible to a different student for whom maybe the last discussion on suffering wasn't the one that really hit for them. So the Kleshas, um is this category that's brought in, I believe, and I know for a fact in book two in the beginning. And what makes the Kleshas uh, so interesting is this idea that they build on each other, mm -hmm. that if we address the base cause of suffering, if we address the roots of, let's say, the suffering tree, then nothing else can sprout. No seeds can sprout. But if we don't address it, then just the seeds start to sprout and then the suffering layers on top of itself. So it's just like this layering of suffering that happens if we are not careful. So if we can address the root, which, you know, in a perfect world would be how it would go, 
But for most people, that's not how it how it goes. And so there's these categories of obstacles um, that cause us suffering and it gets in the way of us knowing who and what we really are that Patanjali is calling the Kleshas in this particular part of the book. So the base Klesha is ignorance. This is the root. This is the seed. None of the other ones can pop up if this is not there. You could say even that it's the soil for the rest of them. Nothing else can come up if the soil is not fertile with ignorance. And, you know, this is not a normal ignorance, which is important because it's okay to not know anything, really. It's totally a great place for a seeker to be able to say, I don't know. This is a different type of ignorance. That ignorance is great. (laughs) This particular ignorance is the one that causes suffering. With the other ignorance, if we can admit that we don't know something, then that means we can ask questions and then we can learn. And our, and But with this other ignorance, it's completely different. This other ignorance is ignorance of who and what we really are. It is the ignorance of the knowledge of the ground of our beingness is what causes suffering. When we know who and what we are and we have a connection to that, then all the other clashes cannot grow. So that first ground is ignorance, that soil. And so Patanjali is very thorough. (laughs) So he makes sure to give us a little bit more categories within what ignorance is. So then he says, okay, when we mistake the impermanent for the permanent, we find ourselves in a state of ignorance. There's this idea that who and what we are have always been here. It cannot be destroyed. You know, there's the whole scientific principle of, of not being able to be destroyed. And so you can do research on this. Everything is just changing form. And so this also upholds the yogic tradition, this idea that who and what we really are is just showing up in different forms and it never goes anywhere. And so there's this idea that we can start to relate to that, that we can start to hone into that. We can start to sit down and ask ourselves, what about us is always here, is always present, that we can always connect to? And what about ourselves is always changing? So, you know, the way I look will be changing. You know, you go from being a little cute baby, these are examples, you know, all the way to old age. So it's like, okay, that's not me. Okay, my job changes. You know, I have a particular job when I first get out of high school, when I get out of college, like that is changing. Okay, so that's coming and going. That's not me. 
And yoga asks us to really look at what is not coming and going. What is that part of us that is always aware and there as everything comes and goes out of our lives, as our thoughts come and go, as the people come and go, as our emotions come and go and shift in and out. That is the stuff that is impermanent. And if we start to think that that impermanent stuff is us, then we start to suffer. If we try to hold on to that, if I try to hold on to my quote unquote youth, mm -hmm. you know, as I age, I want something that's impermanent to stay permanent. I'm gonna suffer. I want all my relationships in my mm -hmm. life to never change and to be the same. If I want the people I'm in relationship with to never change, then I am going to suffer. So this is a category of ignorance. This idea that there are things that are impermanent, that I want to stay permanent, that is going to lay the foundation and the yeah. ground for my suffering and for all the other kleshas that are going to come yeah. to just grow on that. And then another category is seeing the impure as pure. Again, yoga is asking us to be with ourselves, sit with ourselves, and recognize that we are who we really are is perfect. Mm. It's beautiful. It's amazing. But what has happened is that we have just piled a whole bunch of stuff on top of that, that beauty that we arrived with. And we can, um, I always use the example of like, you know, having a diamond at the bottom of, you know, the trash can, <laughs> right? We're the diamond. And then we've just like put all this trash on top of that, that diamond. diamond. And so yoga is trying to get us to, to mm. take out the trash, take out all the stuff that's not us. And then even when we do that, we might look down and we see the diamond in there. But now it's a little, it's a little dirty. It's looking a little cloudy. It's a little stinky, right? And then we still got a little bit more polishing. But once we do that, that diamond is still there. It's still beautiful. It's still glowing and shiny. And that is who and what we are. That diamond is still pure. It's pure, regardless of all the trash juice that has fallen on top of it. It is pure already. And that other stuff that we have piled on top of it is the stuff that's impure. Mm -hmm. But if we're sitting around trying to save those little, the, the trash <laughs> that we piled on top, well, let me just like sort through it. There's still, <laughs> I could still reuse this here and I could still, we're still trying to like save that stuff that is the impure. Then we start to have ignorance. The third category is we start to see things that are painful as pleasant. And, you know, this is something that's, I mean, I guess it's big throughout all time, but definitely now as, you know, we live in a world that 
it is largely, I feel, not the scenario that we were originally meant to be living in. Um, that we're in this scenario where we're, you know, we're running, 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 working, 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 you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a day. Our schedule is just packed full of things and so much stuff that, that just overwhelms us. And so we really want to feel good in any way that we can find to feel good. But yoga is like, you know what? Our joy should be self-generated. That joy should come from the inside. And we cultivate this ability to have that joy, that contentment, that contentment, regardless of the external circumstances. That's the type of pleasantness that yoga is trying to get us to acquire. But sometimes we can't contact that. Right? So we start to look for this pleasantness in ways that are outside of us. And there's always a catch to it. Mm. Always a catch to it that causes the suffering. So, you know, I might, you know, drink a bottle of alcohol, but there's unpleasantness associated. There's the effect that it has on my body. It's the way that it messes with my, my ability to think my ability to connect with people. It's the way that it, it affects my uh, how I feel uh, the next day, right? That's an example of something that feels really pleasant at the moment, but starts to be painful. We might fill our lives up with, you know, uh, just be surrounded by people, people that are not really uh, supportive, not really our people. But it feels pleasant to not be alone. But at the end of the day, they bring pain with them because they're not in alignment with us. So this is that third category of ignorance is mistaking things that are painful um, or that will bring pain for that internal pleasantness that we're really seeking. And then that last category of ignorance is seeing the non-self as the self. Things that starting to create this persona of who and what we are and starting to think that that persona is us, which goes to the next Mm -hmm. clincher. But that's seeing the non-self as the self. So those are just like the categories of just that ignorance. That's the foundation for which everything else grows out of. And so if we can understand what's permanent and not and impermanent, if we can understand what's pure and what's not pure, we can understand what's painful and pleasant. And if we can understand what's really the self, the rest of it, no chance. <laughs> but for most of us, 99.9999% of us. <laughs> The rest of the stuff is going to start to grow and to, and to come forward. Yeah. 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 Um, I was thinking if it, another thing that um, we identify with is like the intelligence and just how that, you know, can go as for many reasons, but I can see it with aging and, and stuff as well. Yeah. 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 Okay. Ignorance. 
Yeah, that's just the first one. It's like, <laughs> that one's a big one. A lot to like juicy stuff to delve into. I always tell people when they practice the yoga sutras with me or um, when they um, study the yoga sutras with me that every single one of those statements in that book can be a practice onto itself. That someone could really just take that and chew on it. Yeah. And really get a lot from it and really start to awaken. So we can just take that one, one klesha of ignorance and really work with it every day. Like when we see ourselves start to suffer, okay, is that permanent? No, that's not permanent. Is that really me? No, it's not me. Am I mistaken the impure for the pure? I am, right? Just doing that when we start to suffer and get in our feelings can just create some space. It doesn't mean it's gonna go away, but it can get create some space between you know the, the sensations and the emotions and how we're feeling and then we can bring in our practices whatever those may be start to widen that space and start to rid ourselves of that klesha mm-hmm. uh, just working with that one yeah 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 so if you like, I could continue. Let's keep going. Okay. All right. So that is ignorance. All right. So I already said it's a plant going on here. That's our ground. If we can, if we can just knock that out at the root. Hey, maybe you don't need any more of the yoga sutras. So you could be done. <laughs> You're awakened. <laughs> You're good. But if not, then the next one comes in. So what happens? When we don't know who we are, we start to build a persona. We start to look around us and outside of us and start to pull little things from our environment, from what we're being taught, what we're seeing on TV, what we're getting from our family, what we're reading, what we're getting from school. We just start to pull all that stuff together and we start to create a persona. So that is that second klesha, klesha called egoism or asmita. So we start to build this person, this thing. So mine is called Shayna and she's she, her, and she's black and you know she's a teacher and a wife and a mother and she likes navy blue and you know so i've got this whole persona now within itself there's nothing wrong with having a persona it's fun right it's just like you know how actors can play many different roles and you hear about actors all the time that they will actually play a role and like for the whole time they're filming that particular movie, they'll become that character. They'll live like that character, take on the character's mannerisms and for the whole time just playing being this person and they really like bring that person into themselves. And then when they're done with the movie, they're done with recording, then they let that character go. And it's this beautiful art and So if we hold that persona loosely, it's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, not that big of a deal. But usually we don't, which is when the other (laughs) clothes come in. 
But so anyway, so we make this persona of this person who we are because again, we don't know who we are. So we create this person. Well, once we create this person, we like this person, right? We get attached. So that's our <laughs> next clasha, right? So they, they build on each other. So I've created this thing called Shana. So I'm extremely attached to her and what she likes and doesn't like and all of this stuff. Uh, I am running towards the things that Shana likes and I want more of that in my life. And the things that Shana doesn't like, which is the next Klaisha, which is aversion, I'm running from. All of this came from the fact that I didn't know who I was, so I built a persona. Now that persona has likes and dislikes that they have to maintain, that I, Shana, have to maintain these likes and these dislikes, or who am I? Who am I if I'm not, you know, a mom? Who am I if I'm not, you know, the vegetarian? Who am I if I'm not a nice person? (laughs) Right? We have all this stuff that we build around our characters. And if anybody is like, well, Shana, you really are a nice person. What do they mean? Of course I'm a nice person. They just took it all wrong. I'm Shana, nice person, nice person. That's me. Right? And we get angry because how dare they? I, I built this persona. I know what it is. I know who Shana is. This is me. All right. And then we get angry and then we've solidified our personas so that now we can't even see anything anymore. Everything is being seen through the lens of our personas and our personalities. And we can't see outside of it in the least bit. So we've got now I've got my persona and my, my persona likes this and my persona doesn't like this. Okay, so now here's our last Klesha. I've spent so much time building this person, mm-hmm. Shana person. Well, of course I don't want to let her go. Of course I don't want Shana to die. Of course I'm terrified of this Shana thing ever going anywhere. So then we get our last Klesha, which is our Abidivasha, this fear of death which Patanjali says is like one of the hardest to overcome, even for wise people. We get so attached to these bodies and there's such fear of who am I if I'm not Shana? Who am I if I'm not Shana? What happens to Shana? Like, even if I'm like a wise person, as I say in the Yoga Sutras, and I understand that you know, nothing can be destroyed. I last forever. But that Shana thing, oh, she doesn't last forever. What happens to her? And I don't want to let her go because I spent so much time on Shana. Where is she going? Right? So it's one of the hardest places to let go. Right? Yeah. So then we have our five places. We've got our ignorance. And if we don't handle our ignorance, then what's going to happen? We're going to build a persona. Then once that persona is built, to build it, you got to have the third Klesha likes, fourth Klesha dislikes. And then once you've built it, you don't want to let that thing go. You spent, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, years on that bad boy. <laughs> then you've got the last Klesha. You're afraid of death. You're afraid of that thing going. 
And all of these are obstacles to knowing who we really are. We're hanging on, hanging on to our personas so hard that we are scared to see what goes beyond that. And then when that happens, we suffer and it becomes an obstacle on our path of yoga because yoga is the using the garbage can analogy yoga is taking out the trash it's getting rid of all of that stuff that's on top of that beautiful shining diamond that we are but if we think we are the trash (laughs) then we don't want to throw it out even though it's causing us problems right all the time we have these toxic traits and ideas and we're like oh my god i'm doing that again Shayna, oh my god i can't believe you did that again you called that person again. You got angry again. We know this stuff is not even serve, serving us, but it's part of the persona. And so we don't want to let go of it. Well, when we get like that, the process of yoga is stopped. It can only go so far when we can't loosen our hold on the persona that we've built and start to go beyond that. And when if and without that, we will always be on a cycle of suffering. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love I love your idea of just like even working with one one or two of them and just noticing where they where they flare up and if that's all you did for many years. <laughs> think of the think of what you would learn. Exactly. On each of them. I mean, all of them. Like fear of death is not just the body's death. It's the fear of endings of any kind in our life. So if we just worked with our fear of change, huge. If we worked with, why do I dislike this particular thing so much? Huge change. Why do I like this particular thing so much? Huge change. Yeah. Right? Who is the Shana person? All of those things, I think, honestly, will ultimately lead us towards awakening. Mm-hmm. By themselves will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. I feel like that was very relatable, very understandable. And um, like I said, like it's this profound teaching that like is pretty simple when you get down to it, but very hard to grasp and, or very hard to change, I guess. That's yoga. It's, it's, it goes deep. It goes deep and um, it's a practice. It's a sadhana. It's a, lifestyle, looking at these things and seeing where they take us. Uh, and it's profoundly beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to go, go a little deeper or learn more about the yoga sutras, do you have any resources you could point folks to? For sure. Um, I do trainings throughout the year, just ended one. Um, It's called Living Yoga, and Living Yoga is online, so anyone can do it. We have it every single year. And Living Yoga, we go deep into the Yoga Sutras and learn how to apply it. 
Also, uh, I do one-on-ones. If you would love to go through the yoga sutras with me and just us dive in and make it applicable to you, that's there for you as well. There are also many great commentaries written on the yoga sutras. And one of my teachers, um, Greg Nardi, said, just get any that you can get your hands on and read them. And some will you'll be able to relate to immediately and some you will not. Uh, my favorite is the Sachidananda. still is. It's the light blue book. Uh, my Swami Sachidananda. It's still to this day my favorite uh, because I think that it's the most accessible without watering it down mm-hmm. and making it into something that it's not, that a lot of yoga people tend to do. Um, so yeah, Swami Satchitananda's version of the Yoga Sutras is, is, is still my, my, my favorite okay. to delve into. Thank you. And I will, um, I will link to that, uh, that book in the show notes and also to your website. And that just brings me up to the last question, which is, um, how people can find you and how they can work with you. And I feel like we've, we got a couple good ideas. I will have your website in the show notes shanasmallyoga.com that's it yeah so if you go to shanasmallyoga.com um you'll see all the information about me trainings and things that are coming up i really recommend putting yourself on the newsletter because i add things to the website as things come up so if you put yourself on the newsletter then you'll know what i'm doing and i am active on instagram as shanasmallofficial And I would love to talk to you and chit chat. I'm a type of person who really believes in the teacher student relationship. And so I really believe in making myself accessible and available for students. So feel free to like just DM me or, you know, send me an email on my Shana Small Yoga website and I'd love to chat. Excellent. And you also, am I correct, have an online studio or membership? I do have an online studio. Um, Right now I'm doing events just as they arise, Mm -hmm. as it works in my life right now. And so yeah, get on the newsletter and then you'll see the events that um, I do. I will have an event um, coming up in November um, that you don't want to miss. So yeah, get on that newsletter. Perfect. All right. Well then if you don't have anything else, I just want to thank you so much for joining me and I'm really excited to, to hear from listeners what they think about this, this episode. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening to the homecoming podcast. The homecoming podcast is brought to you by the homecoming online therapeutic yoga membership where we put a lot of these things that we talk about on the podcast into practice. If you'd like to read more about the homecoming membership or join, the link is in the show notes. If you've got questions or comments, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you and I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much.